0: Today on the Wet Fly Swing podcast, we've got Adam Cuthrell from Fishhound Expeditions to take us into Alaska. Today, Adam shares three of his favorite tips on planning an Alaskan adventure and having a great time on the water. Plus, we find out which city in Alaska elected a cat as their mayor. That's right, a cat, an actual cat. This story and more today. Uh, Adam uh, runs Fishhound Expeditions and is your go to source for remote Alaskan adventures. Let's jump into this one and find out what you need to prepare your cast get the right fly patterns, and where to go for the best intel on Alaska. Here we go. Adam Cutherell from Expeditions.com. How you doing, Adam?
1: Doing good, man. Just enjoying a nice wintry day up here in AK.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's always the thing, right? So we're, we're kind of in the holiday season. By the time this goes out, it's probably going to be into January, later January. What, what between now and like late January does Alaska get, um, what does it get like? Did you just get more and more snow? Is that how it looks?
1: Uh, that's what it's looking like right now. Uh, November and December were the snowiest they've ever been in the Anchorage area. And where we're at in the wintertime, which is a little ski town named Gertwood, we've got all over 330 inches so far. It's been awesome lots of lots of snow machine and snowboarding and lots of shoveling Wow! lots and lots of shoveling
0: that's yeah you have your own. <laughs> so just to like shovel in your place like is that a weekly sort of occurrence or a daily uh
1: this year has definitely been weekly it's it's snowed a bunch and is still snowing and supposed to keep snowing so it's a good problem to have though you know up here in ak uh you definitely gotta like six months of winter. Cause yeah. that's kind of what we got. We got six months of winter and then six months of not winter.
0: Right. Yeah. That's it. The six months of winter. Yeah. And my kids, it's funny because my kids were just saying, man, about a week ago they were saying, man, is this really Christmas? We don't have any snow. Like what's the deal here? I'm <laughs> like, Hey, Hey, you know, like, come on, people have it worse off than us. Right. But but it is cool to have snow. Like I'm sure your little one is he into it. He's loving the snow.
1: Oh, uh, she, she's she yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She's loving the snow. She, we're actually out snowboarding today. Um, gosh, she's been snowboarding since she was 17 months and she's three years
0: old. Oh, right. Three. She, she digs it. That's right. That's right. There you go. Cool. Well, today we're going to dig uh, back into Alaska. We're going to do a little year in review of kind of what went on last year. And then we're going to look ahead at 2024. We're going to talk about some few tips for people that are maybe going up there to fish. Maybe if they get a day in Alaska or a few, we're going to talk about that and then talk about this new kind of Alaska podcast series that we're going to start and really kind of continue from what we've been doing. So. Um, so that's it. Let's start with the review. I mean, we did a lot. I feel like 2023, everything. I mean, how's it look to you when you look back at 23? Where do you? How do you uh, kind of review your season, your year, how it went? Oh, 23
1: was an awesome year. You know, when you own an outfitting business like this, you got to look at it both from a business standpoint, as well as a personal standpoint, and then even more so as a family standpoint because mm-hmm. most of my guides had been with me for gosh, five, eight years. And if they're all happy and they made money and they're traveling and they're coming back, you know, those are all signs of a successful season to me. Yeah. And you remember Will yeah. and Cam, you know, Will is actually getting ready to go travel in Southeast Asia for like six weeks and wow. Cam was back down in Honduras again. So yeah, the, the boys are out having fun from a, a summer that was very, busy and they made good money so out enjoying a a seasonal lifestyle and then from a fishing standpoint i mean it was just an awesome awesome year lots of big trout uh king runs were were down but that's not much of a shocker anymore Uh, but other than that silvers were good our steelhead program was awesome we had a couple days where you know groups of six anglers touched over 70 steelhead Hmm. so uh yeah it was a great great year very busy Pretty much all the staff is coming back next year. So yeah, very nice. much a good season.
0: Right on. Yeah. And I yeah. think I have met, um, uh, let's see, I, I, obviously Will and, uh, and Cam, both we've had them on the podcast yep. and, uh, and other staff. Uh, who else do you have there? I know we talked uh, when we were at Willow Creek that day, we ran into somebody else, but who are some of your other staff that are going to be here this year?
1: Oh, you ran into Shane. He's yeah, Shane. actually going to, yep. Yep. He's going to Southeast Asia with Will. Those mm. two in Southeast Asia are gonna <laughs> I can't wait to hear the stories when those boys come back. Right. It'll be pretty entertaining for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we had a couple new hires this year. Um, both have had experience guiding before in Alaska. Cody, uh, he's a great dude from Colorado. He's coming back, looking forward to having him get back out there. Uh, and then another great guide, uh, Orion from California, Northern California. He's very particular about that, not Southern California. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's coming back. He actually uh, just showed me some great fish porn. He was out um, on the big salty pond out there in Nevada, catching some big old Lahontan cutthroats.
0: So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah pyramid. Yeah.
1: So yeah, all the boys are coming back, looking forward to getting them up here. Well, half the staff lives here year round. The other half of the staff is, you know, lives up in Alaska seasonally. So they'll be back uh, end of May, 1st of June.
0: 1st of June. Yeah. And that's when you kick off the new season of, Or when do, I mean, we've talked about this before, but you kind of start in May and the trips kind of start somewhere in that range for your remote stuff.
1: Yep. We start early May on the road system because the road system's got great road access, hence the road system. We start doing those trips 1st of May. You can actually have some banner early season days if you catch the smolt migration where all those juvenile salmon are heading back out to the salt. Swinging little smolt patterns on the surface is awesome. Watching those big hungry rainbows come up and crush those on the surface. And then we start our our multi-days in mid-June just because... Playing that much money and that logistics. You know, we have had trips go out sooner, but it's just really a better target date to start mid June. That way, most of the runoff's gone and fish are throughout the system and much more of a consistent trip than trying to roll the dice in may roll the dice
0: in may well that's good and, and i think that you know as i look at this i think we are going to be giving away another trip but we we did one big kind of thing we did last with nick you know and Lampson yep. and that was we kind of helied in we, we have an episode on that whole thing with with nick so i'll put that in show notes but you know that's an amazing trip but you guys not only do that this remote heli stuff but you do a lot of trips kind of around where people could literally drive meet up with you is that the case
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We offer a ton of road access fisheries uh, just a little bit north of Anchorage uh, on the Parks Highway River systems. We have about, gosh, 12 different rivers uh, that we fish. Um, We have two primary rivers that we run float trips on. And uh, it's kind of funny, actually, um, you know, everyone thinks of Alaska and you need a bush plane or helicopter to get out, which is definitely a good tool. Uh, But just to kind of paint more of a picture. So Cam, who was with us when we were out last year with the heli this year, he goes, man, this is (laughs) like, what's up, dude? He's like, I fly all over Alaska in planes and helicopters. And the biggest trout are right here in Willow Creek. Right. Yep. Yep. The road system fishery up there just north of Anchorage is phenomenal. I mean, crystal clear water full of big trout, Arctic grayling, Dolly Varden. And all five species of Pacific salmon and just the quality of fishing that the Parks Highway Systems offers is just awesome. I mean, I had so many clients who come and do all of our stuff, whether that be in the heli or out west. And then a bunch of them now are actually coming up a few days prior to their flyout trips and fishing the road system. Oh, right. Uh, Just because it's such a good, good fishery. And like you said, just relatively ease of access. I mean, folks can come up here go fishing and see and experience other things in Alaska because, you know, we got families and us too as anglers like to see more and do more than just fish. So if you're coming up to Alaska for 10 days, want to do a few days fishing there's great roadside fishing uh, access, and then you can go with the family and do Denali or go out and see the fjords and the glaciers and all that stuff. So you definitely do not need a plane and helicopter to have an amazing Alaska experience.
0: That's sweet. Yeah. And in our trip, when we did that, we actually, Took because we had some high water, so we hit Willow Creek for one day. And even that's though Willow right. was you high, I landed that one fish. I uh, probably, maybe my biggest fish of the trip, you know, was on Willow. Um,
1: I forgot about that. Yeah, remember right? that? Yeah, yeah you, I remember you snuck that. us in there. Yep, I was a toad. Yeah, we Will get you on some good fish. I mean, that's, you know, perfect example right there. You know, we hopped up in the heli to get way out there. And I mean, we caught a ton of big trout up there in the heli, but if your biggest was on the road system, that's, you yep. know, case in point. I mean, this year, The last two years have really been just awesome with the size of these fish and just their eagerness to take a fly. I mean, they were averaging seven to 10 pounds this Hmm. year. Just, just wow. Pigs, just pigs. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. That was great.
0: Yeah. So, So, yeah, that is kind of what I'd like to chat a little about, too, you know, kind of the road system today and just thinking about as we look out, like, okay, let's just paint this picture. Somebody is up there. Potentially, we're definitely, somebody's going to win a trip to head up there and get a, you know, be guided by you guys. But I'm also thinking folks that are maybe going to do a trip up to Alaska, maybe it's like a road trip with the family, maybe they're doing some other stuff, and they had a day or maybe three to go kind of in there to the road system. So. Um, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but I just want to break that down a little bit, what that looks like for people. So I guess the starting point, let's just start with, I mean, there's some famous, I guess, well-known rivers, Willow Creek's one of them. Are there, are there, how many are, are like Willow Creek? And then how many are just these places you'd never hear of? And you just stop along the road and it's got salmon galore sort of thing.
1: Well, that's kind of the cool thing so just to kind of start from the beginning so 99 percent of people who come to alaska are going to fly into anchorage that is the the biggest hub for our great state Yep. so you'd fly into anchorage you know get your rental vehicle or on your tourist plan you know most folks i really recommend getting a vehicle uh because alaska is big and close for us is three hours and if you have wheels or that just be a normal rental car or rent a, a camper. There's uh, probably half a dozen places in Anchorage that rent uh, smaller RVs. So you can drive around, camp, do things on your own program. So you get into Anchorage, get your vehicle, and then you either go north or south because there's basically three highways in Alaska.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> and, you know, you got heading down South, you can go down over turning pass, go down, check out the Kenai, go down to Seward, check out where the ocean meets the sea. And then when you go head north, you got the Parks Highway River Systems, which does cross Willow Creek, which is one of the more well-known rivers in our neck of the woods. Uh, But past that, the Parks Highway crosses between here, between Anchorage and, let's say, Fairbanks. I mean, there's probably 20-plus rivers that you're going to drive over, and you're going to see parking right on the side of the road. It has right. tons of access. You know, there are bigger streams. We're having, you know, a boat doing a float trip is ideal, but there's so many smaller streams where you can just hop off on the side of the road, look at all the salmon, chase all the fish. You know you definitely want to have a little bit of knowledge of how to fish up here in Alaska. you can get that from one of the local fly shops in Anchorage, whether that be Mossy's fly shop or up North, the boys at three rivers fly shop. And both shops are very good at giving knowledge and helping, you know, the fly selection. Cause Most people who fly fish, like me, when I was from Colorado in the lower 48, you need to know bugs. Our trout really don't eat bugs. They eat meat. So they're more focused on, you know, big streamers. They're more focused on uh, decaying salmon carcasses, salmon eggs, flesh patterns, that sort of stuff. So what we throw is a little different up here. But you get that little bit of knowledge, drive up, you can go fish, you know, on your way to Denali or up to Fairbanks. There's just tons and tons of access. That's one thing that's really cool about Alaska is rivers are public, so as long as you're within high water mark, you're able to fish and hike and have fun and enjoy it. You don't have to worry about private property like some places.
0: That's great, yeah. So you could literally just park and then cruise up and walk up the fish your way upstream and or down wherever you want to do and then come back. Exactly, exactly right on. And a lot
1: of people always ask me about the two B words bugs and bears. Mm. Um, and you definitely want to be cognizant of both. Having uh, a head net is a good thing. You may not need it. Probably 90% of the time, the bugs aren't that bad. You know, just a little bit of bug spray and you're fine. Uh, But that other 10% of the time, that head net is worth its weight in gold. And then also bears. People do need to be concerned about bears, but you can do that with proper firearm protection, bear spray, and just being loud, just making your presence known. You know, most of the areas that are road accessible fishing, the bears are hunted, so they generally don't associate humans with good things. So as long as you're making your presence known, but having bear spray or firearm and just being loud is always good etiquette when
0: you are in bear country. There you go. Okay, great. So so let's just, uh, like you said, Anchorage. So one thing you could do, you could roll into Anchorage, get your rental car, And just start heading up north, right? Head in, cruise, cross over through Wasilla. Where would they meet up with you? Like if somebody wanted to say, and I'm not sure if this is the best one way to do it, but somebody could get a day guide with you, right? And then have a couple more days on their own or, or more. Would that be a doable way to do it so you can kind of get used to it?
1: yep that's what actually a lot of our guests do you know they're coming up with their families you know they want to fish and do some other tourist stuff but then they want to fish on your own and we're very forthcoming with information because there is so much water up here Mm -hmm. Uh, but definitely getting a local guide so you can kind of see how to rig a bead setup you know the proper way to do it i mean it's basically just fancy nymphing but as opposed to a little tiny bug we fish beads that imitate salmon eggs and our version of matching the hatch is not just the size, but the color to imitate the stage that the eggs are actually in. Because what a salmon egg looks like when it's freshly hatched versus what it looks like as it's a dead egg looks vastly mm. different. Right. So going out with a guide to show you all that, rig up, give you that knowledge, and then you can go out and use it on their own.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if somebody was rolling up there, what would be... Well, let's just go back to... Let's think timing now. So if somebody's planning the trip, You know, it sounds like May, June, July, the whole summer. When... You know, when is the time? Does it really matter as far as, I guess, it depends on what species you want. That's always the first question, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely depends on what species because a lot of people think, oh, coming to Alaska, we're going to catch salmon. Well, if you're here in May, that would be a little tough. That's a little bit early. Um, Our five Pacific salmon run at different times. Kings are the first salmon to start running. They generally start showing up mid mid to late May uh, through June and in the first part of July. Right on their heels are the sockeye. And then right after them, we have the pinks and chums. And then the last Pacific salmon to arrive is the silver salmon, a.k.a. coho. They generally arrive into July and through August. So based on what people want to target, would kind of dictate when they come up here. You know, me being a jaded Alaskan fishing guide, my personal two favorite times are early season and late season. Early season being late May through first week of july i like that time frame because we're doing a lot of mouse fishing you're throwing mice patterns on the surface to imitate shrews and voles and watching a two-foot trout come up and eat a small mammal is incredible Yep. and then also good streamer action at that time like i was talking earlier with skating salmon smolt on the surface is fun so that's why i like early season and then i like late season like when you guys were up here in september we call it football season because all the trout no, just so big full bellies from eating well all season long but they the trout very much know that winter is coming so they'll be on one last feeding rampage to get as much caloric intake as they can before the snow flies so those are my two personal favorite times but for folks coming up wanting to experience all the salmon and diversity and species mid-july through mid-august is kind of the best time that's when there could be Three to five different species of salmon, as well as our resident species, which are the leopard rainbow trout, Arctic grayling, and dolly barden. So, for folks want to kind of see a lot, that's kind of a good window to be up here. And also, the weather can sometimes be nicer, but it is Alaska, so always, always have a rain jacket.
0: Okay, perfect. And uh yeah, that's right. You need the rain gear and all that stuff. So, and if we're kind of looking at giving away, I think a trip. We're going to be building this out as we go later in the year, but. Um, I mean, I guess if we were going to give away a slot, when do you think would be a good time? I guess it doesn't, it probably would be better to throw it out during, um, I mean, what do you think? I guess if the, it depends, right? If, if the person wants to catch a lot of, a lot of fish or just a certain species,
1: yep. yeah, yep.
0: We, we could throw it out anytime. Right. I guess, depending on your schedule, we could, we could. Okay. Um, well, let's yeah. just throw it out. Two, let's just say it. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was saying too, we could give away a couple trips. You could get a day in the boat day walking and waiting one of our smaller streams and then maybe even a jet boat day. So you guys, guests oh, could experience a couple different options and how we do it up here.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, so so if we were setting that up and or if somebody was coming in wanting to do some of that, when, when do you think would be a good time to set that up? To just say, hey, here's a, here's a week that yeah, we could plan, you know, get a day or two or three. Uh, Anywhere
1: yeah. between June and September would be the kind of go-to times. You know, like I said, we do start guiding in May, but that's definitely a little early season and the fishing can be up and down i mean this last may we were super busy we'd have one day just crazy lights out fishing next day we're, we're working hard for a fish or two so folks want to come up to have a good experience i would definitely recommend june through september would be a good time frame to come up here and experience uh not just good fishing but the other things that alaska has to offer in that time frame
0: right on right on so so let's just say we're meeting up with uh, one of your guides out there on Willow Creek or any of the streams out there. And, and I guess let's we'll just pick them month. Let's just say it's July, you know, say it's early July. Fiber. We come up, what are you telling that person as they're driving in? Where Typically, where are they meeting you? And then what, what's the plan? What's the day look like?
1: Yeah. So we are located in the little town of Willow, which is about an hour and 15 minutes north of Anchorage. Super easy to get to paved highway, cell phone reception the whole way. Uh, Most guests who actually do our day trips come from Anchorage since that's a hub. Mm -hmm. Our full day trips go from 10 to 5.30. Everyone's like, why don't we need to be there earlier? Well, because it doesn't get dark. There's no reason (laughs) to get on the water at zero dark 30 because it doesn't get dark. Um, which is wild uh, for a lot of folks. So like we get landed at midnight and we still had our sunglasses on. I'm like, yep. yep, That's, that's That's Alaska in July. Uh, So it's very user friendly. We also start our trips just a little bit later to allow the water temperature to rise slightly. um, Just to fish a little bit more active, especially in July, that 10 AM is a good start time. And then meet us at 10, we get you, get you geared up. We supply all the rods, reels, waiters, boots, flies, tackle are all included in the price. You know, that's one thing, honestly before when i was just a guide some of the shops that i would guide for the guests would show up and then all of a sudden they're getting nickeled and dimed. like oh you got to buy flies you got to buy leaders you got to buy this you got to buy that and yeah. so by the time i got the clients as a guide they were kind of pissed because they weren't told that ahead of right. time with our trips that's all included in the price it's super easy guests just need to show up with a fishing license um we get start on the water at 10 if we're doing a float trip we'll get going down we do fish a lot from the rafts as we're floating down, but we do stop the boat, frequently get out and work the water on your own two feet, work in the gravel bars, working the seams. Uh, and then we, again, folks are on vacation. They don't want to have to buy their own darn lunch. So we provide lunch. We bring grills and grill reindeer brats and then bring coolers with water and soda and beer. Proper day out in the river. Do lunch around 2 o'clock, a nice kind of midday. Guide fires up the grill, gets it going while guests are fishing. And then we're back at the boat ramp at 530. So you go. Now you have plenty of time to get wherever you're going next on your Alaskan adventure, whether that be heading further north up to Fairbanks, Talkeetna, or going back down south.
0: Yeah, there you go. So that's a nice thing. So you get off at 530 or so, then you can have time to go get dinner, you know, and uh, hang out. I guess you could head up north from Willow. Uh, Talkeetna, is it, what is that, about an hour?
1: Uh, Talkeetna is about 35, 40 minutes north of Willow. It's a super fun town. Talkeetna is loved by locals and tourists alike. Um, they actually just elected their new mayor. It's another cat. This is the second uh, mayor of Kalpina. A cat, like, e- like meow. <laughs> so not a human. <laughs> not a human. Not a human. Oh nope. wow!
0: That, that's le- that you would think that would be legal, but but it's I guess it is.
1: Well, it makes you wonder what a mayor really actually does, if right? A sur- if. Uh, prospering little mountain town has had a cat as a mayor for like three terms now. What, what does a mayor really do?
0: (laughs) Right. Well, I always thought the mayor's like with the big, with the small cities, it seems like, yeah, the mayors don't do it as much, but in the the bigger the city gets, I think the mayors have more role, right? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's a, but Willow isn't really that big of a uh, town either. Is it smaller than Telkeetna? Telkeetna? Yeah.
1: Willow's pretty small town. Uh, In Willow, there are Airbnbs for folks to stay. We do have uh one great little restaurant bar um a gas station so there are places to stay in willow but for folks who are coming up and doing the family thing or want a little bit more of an adventure than just one bar talkeaton is a super fun town there's really good restaurants food trucks the music scene in talkeaton is pretty fun you can go out catch a show uh, So it's a lot of fun
0: there you go yeah that's and i'm just kind of thinking about this as we're doing this but that I can see that pretty cool. Yeah. If you have the family, you just roll up there, get a meet with you for a day and then head up to Talkeetna and stay maybe a couple, you know, nights there. And I mean, yeah, it's beautiful. When that trip when we stayed there We went out that day it was kind of cloudy it was wet you know uh and cloudy but the the clouds broke and it showed the mountain range off in the distance which is pretty spectacular
1: yeah the view of denali from talkeetna there is is pretty impressive and too and willow on a clear day when you're dropping in over the hill you just look at denali out there in the distance and it's just so big it doesn't doesn't look real so so amazing and even living here seeing it a ton it does not get old just grows more and more just an amazing amazing huge
0: mountain That's right. And and that's the Susitna River, right? That's the big river out in front of your front. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And then then all these tribs, Willow Creek, like pretty much everything's flowing into the Susitna. Yep.
1: Yep. So the Susitna is kind of the, the artery that flows into the Cook Inlet. And then all these smaller uh, river systems like Willow, Little Willow, Montana, Goose, those are all like veins of the larger artery that dump into the Susitna.
0: Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, so it's a pretty standard day. I mean, you guys have everything. So, so literally, if somebody was just wanted to book a trip for you, if they had a day or two or whatever, they can come into Anchorage, grab a car, fly up, meet you for a day or two, and then, uh, and then just go on their way. It'd be really easy, really smooth.
1: Yep. That's Thanks. the cool thing about the Parks Highway River system is we are the closest fishing to Anchorage. That is a non urban environment and there's just so much water up there and the fishing's just so so good. So good. Yep,
0: yep. No and I heard I we recently did an episode, uh Jim Teeny is an old uh friend. He's kinda of fished Alaska. He was a big Chinook fisherman back in the yep. day and, and he talked to, he brought up Willow Creek. He said this is probably fifty years ago, I'll bet forty years ago. But when they first started fishing Chinook, he was one of the guys that was out there and he said I think he said that he got his largest Chinook maybe ever was on Willow Creek back in, there, so this was 40 years ago, but yeah. so, yeah.
1: I mean, in the short time that I've been up here, I mean, this was over a decade ago, but got done guiding, went and didn't even put my waders on, just the muck boots, grabbed the spay rod and went out at like six o'clock, and I mean, it wasn't how many it was how sorry wasn't if you were going to catch a king it was how big and how many yeah and just you know landing 40 pound cromers in my muck boots just standing there um, yeah (sighs) it's uh i couldn't imagine it 40 years ago it would have been insane
0: yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Nice. So that's kind of the trip. We might circle back around in this because I want to just highlight that because this is definitely coming up this year. 2024 is going to be a big year. we got some good stuff coming. The The Alaska podcast I think is going to be a lot of fun to do here. But, but I want to change tide a little bit here and focus on some other things you've been doing because, you know, we talked to uh, uh, Cam a while back. We have that podcast we'll put in the, in the show notes. He talked about the stuff he's doing down south. And you guys are doing some other stuff. So let's talk about that other than Alaska, because you got that dialed. You're the remote, you know, expedition, right? You you have that dialed. What else are you doing? And what are your plans looking ahead, like salt water, warm water and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. So working with Cam, um, we've been going down to the islands of Honduras the last couple of years. And the bone fishing there is just insane. So is the permit hmm. triggers. There's just, I caught a tuna on the oh, fly wow. this year. It nice. was awesome. It was so cool. um But yeah, we're working with them and we found a real good, awesome local Honduran guy. Loves fly fishing. He's so into it. Met with him last year and getting him going. We got his ponga up and running, got a good new motor on it. And yeah, we're going to be a, booking trips down south the whole saltwater thing is is new to me i've always thought that fly fishing you know especially like for steelhead you should be suffering in cold <laughs> and for those who haven't stood in 75 degree water hunting fish i highly recommend it yeah it's good uh, it, my uh my first bone fish last year you know fishing an eight weight rod 16 pound fluoro watch the tail come up strip set and just boom instantly into oh. my backing and reel in reel in reel in reel in reel in reel in, reel in. Right. boom instantly out into the backing again and i get this fish in and it's like 14 inches long yeah like <laughs> what the hell how did huh wow. and uh yeah that was my first first bone on a fly and we were actually there this past november for a month and was was bone fishing every day and gotten some some bigger bones and uh some big triggers and it's a very cool experience to be walking around in 75 degree water hunting fish, just seeing those tails come up and making that cast and watching them move on it. And the strip set, it's a lot of fun. And the cool thing with Honduras, I mean, it's pretty remote. I mean, and it's safe. I brought my family and three-year-old daughter there. Uh, The island life there is super chill. The people are just so incredible. The food is great. Uh, It's relatively cheap. And just the Flats there are just phenomenal, just wow. a lot of fun. So looking forward and working with Cam and our Honduran counterparts to you know get folks out experiencing the world with a fly rod in their hand.
0: Nice, that's perfect, and that's something where if people are interested, and I think Cam he's been kind of uh, kicking it off. But if somebody was interested, would they just check in with you, or where's the best yep. place?
1: Yep, yeah. yep, we're gonna have uh, we're doing some revamping of our website to add some of the new destinations in there, and it will be up on our website here, and can just click on it and give us a call and get guests dialed Perfect. in for a good trip, chasing down there in the salt, because when it is 20 degrees in dumping snow, uh, getting away to a, a warmer place is is not just yeah. fun for fishing, but it's good for the soul.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something we're going to be doing more of this year too. And so, so Cam has that going. And then do you have any other places, destinations kind of in that same or type of deal, the salt that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, we're kind of um, working, looking forward just to different options. You know the whole dream one day being a dirtbag fishing guide was to be able to travel to these you know incredible locations and with the help of the the business have started doing that uh was just in bolivia this last june uh chasing golden dorado up high in the in the amazon and that mm. was uh, an incredible experience not just the fishing but just everything that goes with being in the amazon all the birds caiman crocodiles flamingos uh the indigenous people there they jungle ninjas just everything the dugout canoes just the entire experience was was wow. next level and then you throw in you know sight casting to these just river wolves you hmm. know, is what they call them <laughs> and it was so crazy uh the first time going out i was looking at uh, uh one of the guide's pliers you know he uses the big pliers oh, yeah. like we do here yep. in ak and above the, the pointer grips was all dimpled in. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, what would cause that dimpling? And the first Dorado that I caught, it was it a was good-sized fish, probably 15 or so pounds. Mm. Uh, he goes to get the fly out, and the Dorado just starts chomping down on the guide's pliers. Wow. And I was like, Oh! Really? That's how the, it was
0: not. So it was like trying to just what? Uh, oh, just, just chewing on them.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, like wow. we've all had experiences with, you know, pike and muskie. You don't stick your fingers in there because they have yeah. teeth. But these Dorado just were just chomping down on this dude's pliers. It was insane. Insane.
0: <laughs> That's intense. Wow. Yeah. So you got the Dorados. And so how do you look ahead? And, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, there's so many places, how do you kind of plan where, where the next destination is going to be?
1: We go and we fish it. Yeah, you know that's the biggest thing. There's so many fly travel companies out there, and most of them were just tourism companies that saw a niche and tried to get into them. There are there are fewer companies that are started by guides and started by anglers, and those are the ones that I think people should support because Mm -hmm. who wouldn't want to go where an Alaskan fishing guide wants to go fish? Yeah, as opposed to just some dude in an office in Southern California says, "Oh, you should go here." You know, having the experience of fishing across the world and going and actually checking out these different spots, you know, and going where an Alaska fishing guide wants to go, um, I think would be beneficial. And having been there and checked it out and know what's going on and how to navigate the airports and customs and just kind of the ins and outs of traveling across the world with a fly rod would right. be beneficial. So that's kind of where I see this going. I'm actually... Uh, one of our good clients, good friends who's fished with us for a lot of years, uh, we're going to go check out Cuba this Oh, month. nice. So wow. looking forward to, yeah, yeah. That whole saltwater thing is, turns out is very addictive. But
0: yeah. That's not,
1: <laughs> not much of a shocker. Everything with fly fishing that I've done turns into a new addiction. Yeah,
0: so. There you go. Wow. Cuba, that's really awesome. So it's, uh, so Cuba is kind of open a little bit, uh, I guess enough to, yeah. to go fishing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah looking forward to it. They got really good tarpon fisheries going to hopefully get into one of the big boys and permit and, you know, kind of the usual suspects bonefish, permit tarpon. So yeah, looking forward to it. So yeah, I'll have to hit you up when I get back from that, let you know how it goes.
0: Right on. Yeah, definitely. I would love to hear that. And then you also have, and you've talked about this before, but the, you're still doing the Kodiak up in Alaska. You're still hitting yep. the steelhead. Yeah. That same, same deal. Yep.
1: yep. Yeah. This year was a great year. It was, a. Uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but we had over three weeks where it only rained once in Kodiak, which never happened. No kidding. Uh, yeah, it was just sunny, beautiful. The water was low, uh, but not having to wear a rain jacket every day in Kodiak was a shocker because I have been stuck, delayed, weathered in in Kodiak more times than anywhere else. No kidding. Fish or hunt in Alaska. Yeah, it's just, uh, uh, we always tell guests, like, just plan on getting stuck or being delayed it's just kind of how it is in kodiak but this year was was phenomenal just blue skies swinging for steelhead and, and high numbers we like i mentioned earlier we had on our second trip there we had six anglers in one day they didn't land all of them but they hooked touched over 70 steelhead in, in one wow. day it was insane. god
0: that's ridiculous bonkers
1: yeah just bonkers
0: there you go uh, nice.
1: but that was a good good time uh you know swinging. Lighter flies, lighter heads. So it was nice not having to throw a bunch of weight uh, to swing up some steely.
0: There you go. And do you have availability? Is that steelhead thing, does that fill up pretty quick? Like if somebody was listening now, would there still be some? We
1: have. There's a couple spots left, but yeah, for the most part.
0: Might be looking at if there is anything, then maybe 25 might be open.
1: Yeah. But no, we still have a few spots, I think, on our first launch i think there's a couple spots and then same for the last launch and uh and we could oh uh, i just uh was talking with uh cognac corporation we could probably add another launch so might be able to fill one more trip
0: perfect yeah yeah and, and give us just a quick highlight on that just like a kind of the elevator pitch summary of that it's kodiak which is amazing you've got the are you guys fishing the car luck? is that the river yep yeah yep, fishing the really car luck and you have aren't don't you have like an actual place um like a lodge is there lodging there yeah so
1: i uh, worked with the native corporation because it is kodiak and it's october in alaska anywhere but particular on kodiak even though this year it was beautiful that's definitely not the norm uh it can rain a lot it can be cold uh lots of bears uh, so we actually built uh dry cabins on the river so we're able to utilize those cabins that have generator oil stoves Outhouse, bare fence. Wow. Uh, so it's pretty nice. And they're on some of the most spectacular steelhead runs in North America. And so, yeah, we're able to get a wilderness float and experience minus the soggy wet tents. Uh, so it's pretty nice.
0: You get it. So that's it. So you get the wilderness re- and with the cabins and then with the steelhead, I mean, and an amazing place. So it's kind of this crazy yep. thing. Okay. Good. Well, and again, all this stuff we will have, and this is what's great is that we are, like we said, Alaska. At, right now, people can go to wetflyswing.com slash Alaska podcast, and that'll have a, a list of all the podcast episodes we've covered. So, it'll be really easy for people to check up the back uh, series we've done. But I wanna uh, have, I wanna start. We have a three tip series we're doing now on this. This one is, um, I wanna do a listener shout out. We've been doing a few of these. It's been kind of fun because as we get our listener email mailbag, I like to highlight some of these because they tell a good story. But um, this one's from Rick Miller, and he sent an email. He said, um, I've been fly fishing for nearly 60 years. My greatest need is to continue learning to sharpen my skills in fly tying, different fishing techniques, and casting. I feel I am a good fisherman from trout to steelhead to bonefish, but there's always room for improvement. I typically listen to your podcast during the winter while down in my fly tying. Thanks for providing the great learning op- opportunity, Rick Miller. So first of all, Rick, I want to give you a shout out. Thanks for the support of the podcast and uh, and for sending the email in. So Rick, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he's into it, you know, hopefully right now he's he's maybe listening to this podcast um, but let's do that. Let's kick this off the three tips. So as you look back at somebody's thinking about doing this trip, maybe it's a day trip, maybe they have 3 or 4 days. We've tossed out a few tips. What else would you give that person if they're saying, "Hey, these are three things you should know about a trip to Alaska." What else would you tell them?
1: You know, with regards to fly casting, I would recommend, you know, practicing throwing weight, whether oh, that be, nice. you know, a heavy nymph rig or a big streamer rig, uh, because sadly for the most part we didn't don't get a throw size 14, 16, 18 single dry flies that's really not how it works up here so we have a lot of guests who have a lot of experience whether that be in colorado wyoming montana and they're used to throwing dry fly ridge or maybe a dry dropper and then we throw a big old bobber a bunch of split shot and they're trying to false cast it 30 times it's like that's not how this works so just practicing throwing weight and you know, just be becoming proficient really at a roll cast with with heavy weight or a heavy fly or a single overhand cast, and then being able to uh, release that line so that you're not having to false cast thirty times to get the distance needed uh, would be one big tip. And then That's awesome. with with tying flies. Um, that's awesome. Rick spent that time to, to email you and, and geeking out about it as much, but that's just another thing. Just looking on the internet for Alaskan flies, you know, whether that be, you know, big streamers like the Dalai Lama, which is a big articulated fly. Again, very heavy, learning how to throw that, just tying that up. Um, yeah, those would be some of the big tips there, but just, just looking in it and calling a local fly shop or calling a local guide service and just be like, Hey, I'm thinking about coming up here. What fly should I tie? I mean, that's yeah. one of my favorite things when you get guests show up and they just got these boxes that go. they've been tying all winter long. It's awesome because the river gods do respect home ties. I'm a firm, firm, firm believer
0: in that. They do. Right. Yeah. Your own tight. It's always good to catch a fish on your own fly. Right. That's kind of a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: And you mentioned the fly shops earlier. Uh, remind us again, what are the two fly shops up there that yeah. near. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the fly shop in Anchorage is Mossy's fly shop. Um, Brian and Mike, they're awesome guys, very giving of knowledge, great fly shop. And then AJ and Mike also at Three Rivers up in Wasilla are the two fly shops that I highly recommend uh, go to the great guys who work there, very forthcoming with information and have a good supply of flies that work here in Alaska.
0: Perfect. That's great. And, and you mentioned on the throwing weight, do you think, what would be the setup if somebody wanted to practice that, like throwing a Dalai Lama, maybe talk about that just quickly, like on the the setup when you're if you're casting a Dalai Lama, what does your rig look like?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, being having a good proficient roll cast is effective, because it is Alaska, it's a jungle. And just like lots of places in the lower 48, you're not always going to have an open lane to back cast. So having a, a good roll cast Is very advantageous, and then you know we fish a lot of six and seven weights up here. So if you're used to fishing a three or four weight, grabbing a bigger rod and and getting you know proficient at throwing throwing weight, and whether that be going out in your front yard or throwing streamers down in your local fishery, just throwing them a little bit heavier to to get used to that weight.
0: Yep, that's it. Okay, and uh, so a couple other things, and we're going to start to take it out here in a little bit, but um, just thinking of you know again setting the stage for somebody on their kind of doing their journey up there in the car. I, one thing I always think about and this happened to us when we were up there with you guys. I mean, I think you probably remember when the northern lights. It was wet. Like this was this was I guess almost 2 years ago, but you had that rainy yeah. that rainy summer like you guys just got hammered big time, we did. right? Yeah. And then but but we had a break and the northern lights popped out, right? Do you remember that? Yep. I do. That was awesome. Man. Um but that was a cool night and I mean, so talk about the just on the northern lights. Is that something Maybe for people that don't know, first of all, maybe talk. I mean, the Northern Lights again. I'm always confused on that. Exactly, are you a kind of a geek on the Northern Lights? How that works? Why that's there?
1: Um, from my feeble understanding, yeah. as a fishing guide, it's from we are so far north, and it's how that uh, comes through the atmosphere from the lack of up here. Yeah, um, and they are amazing um living here we do see him a lot um, you do but for folks yeah, oh yeah well we live here yeah <laughs> uh, but for folks coming up if you come up in june july or august you're not going to see him just because it really doesn't oh happen.
0: you won't so you won't see him yeah. in the summer right yeah, yeah. so we yeah. saw him in september just because that's the first time we got lucky
1: yep where it starts really getting true, true there dark. Oh, true dark.
0: There you go. So if somebody wants to see those. That's a big thing. Maybe they, they hold off till September to to
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah. If, if someone's trying to check that off their bucket list, September would be a good time. One of the best shows I ever saw actually in the, over the decade that I lived here, was when I first moved here, I was uh, working on a wildland fire crew, Clearing defensive space and got up three in the morning at the mad camp to use the restroom and go outside and just the entire sky was lit up and was you know red and green and yeah they are truly amazing so yeah seeing the northern lights is something that someone would want to try to check off September would would be the earliest uh, that they're able to be
0: seen. There you go, perfect. So yeah, long
1: yeah. as it's not rainy and cloudy, but yeah, yeah, that's could it. Could get lucky like we did and have a clear night and consume. yeah.
0: That's right. And you never know, right? I mean, it's just the weather. I mean, it could be, you have no idea what this next season is going to bring, right? It could be a bad one or- you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> If I had that crystal ball to look into, it would be a, a good good gift, but don't have that magical crystal ball yet. Yeah, Keep yeah, trying.
0: That's, that's it. Nice. So, and then, uh, and what? a few other things. So if there is somebody is, you know, they get it maybe a day or two with you- And now they're looking for a place to stay, maybe some food. What what would you tell them about food just to head up to Talkeetna if they're working their way up maybe towards Denali?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Talkeetna has a bunch of good restaurants. Uh, One of my favorite is Denali Brewing Company. Mm, Um, They have a a brewery. They make great beer. They got a distillery. They make great whiskey. They even make mead, which I'd never had mead till this last year. It's pretty, it's interesting, but their beer is phenomenal. Uh, the restaurant is absolutely awesome, and then there's another really good pizza joint called Mountain High Pizza. I thought I thought you guys ate mm, there, but they got right. yeah maybe yeah Mountain High. They got really good pizza and anything honestly in Taquita because it is so small and is locally owned. If it's not good, it doesn't last.
0: Oh um, right, so pretty
1: much. That's kind of the same thing kind of throughout Alaska because it is so small that the food scene is actually really good because if it's not good, it's it's not going to last just because everything is such a small market.
0: Gotcha. Right. Because if you suck, yeah, you, you're just, there's no way yeah. you're going to
1: make it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you suck, there's no way you're going to make it. That's...
0: <laughs> That's a good quote. We'll very,
1: very, very succinct though, dude.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. This is good. All right. So, and I just remember, I mean, our trip again, we had the whole thing, but I mean, Nick again, shout out to Nick at Lampson. I mean, he actually, it wasn't Lampson, Waterworks Lampson, but now it's just Lampson. But, um, but yeah, man, that guy, we hung out in Telkeetna and we just had a blast. I mean, he's, he's a hard guy to keep up with. He can go all, in fact, the poker tour, I'll give a shout out to the poker tour again, which was a lot of fun. We went to this tournament in Telkeetna and, uh, And Nick, I think he, did he win it or he was second place? I can't remember, but he he was second place. Yeah, he was second. He almost won it, but it was just hilarious because it was just like classic, um, you know, classic deal. So, okay, cool. Um, Adam, well, I think, I think that pretty much does anything else we want to talk about. Like, again, if we're thinking the road system up there, people are coming up there. This seems pretty standard. They can just call you and basically you could help them figure out where they're going, what they want to fish for, that sort of thing.
1: Exactly. hundred percent. Love talking fishing and. You know, come out with us for a day or two to see how we run it and then go out and fish on your own. And, you know, that would be my advice for anything. Go fish this crazy world that we're all living in. Go out, experience
0: these things because who knows? Yep, that's right. That's always the take home. Yep, nice. Good. Well, we'll uh, we'll tee this up. uh, And like we said, we've got a new uh, segment going as well, the podcast Passport. So we're going to be adding some incentives for people to get out and do some traveling this next year as well, do more traveling. So we'll keep you informed on that. But I think that's a good place to wrap this one, Adam. We will uh, talk to you soon on the next episode. And I, like we said before, everybody can head out to fishhoundexpeditions.com if they have any questions. And uh, yeah, thanks again for the good episode and we'll be in touch.
1: Heck yeah, Dave. Looking forward to it.
0: That is a wrap. You can grab all of the show notes at wetflyswing.com And please follow us on Instagram and share this episode out with someone you love. Please send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com if you have any feedback or want us to put together an episode on this podcast for you. Check in anytime. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and would love to meet up with you on the water. We have new fly fishing schools going all year long and all around the country. So if you want to connect, let's do it right now. All right. Time to get out of here. I hope you have a great evening. I hope you have a great morning or great afternoon wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping by and checking out the show today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.